And welcome to another episode of a G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans with Mike Miller, and we are G220 Radio. And we want to welcome you to the program tonight. Tonight, we've got a good topic ahead of us here. We're going to be talking about the renewal of theology after the fall. And when we think about theology, I was having conversations with individuals over the last week, as well as in the past. And there's this idea that theology, we don't need to get into theology. We just need to know Jesus. And why does theology matter? Why are these things important? But I think if we understand what theology is, um, it's the study of God. And therefore, how do we know God? We study his word. We we dig in and we pull out of the word of God what he is giving to us there in the scriptures. And that's how we know him uh, and know what it is he is requiring of us. But you can't understand that if you're not doing theology. And every time you speak about Jesus Christ and how one is saved, you're doing theology, right, Mike? Yeah. I mean, it's probably no shock that we've been kind of the shows I've been picking have really kind of dived into not just this general idea of theology, but getting to like the nature of theology. We started with kind of the method of theology because all this is important. Like it's one thing to say, I study theology and to know God and that's good. That's, you know, that's what theology is. But then you have to consider well, what makes, you know, me as a Baptist or a reformed Baptist, how does my theological method may differ than a liberals or a modernist or something like that. And so kind of in my own, these shows are kind of coming out of my own desire just to better understand the nature of theology, kind of this. And in, in one sense, this is what they would call the prolegamia or the first principles, the things we need in place before we go on to all of the great and wonder doc, wonderful doctrines that we know and love and care for. This is kind of like, I guess, setting the foundation and, and so, yeah, this is kind of the idea of this show, the renewal of the theology after fall deals with, well, how do we do this theology thing as sinful creatures? And yeah. that's brings it different. Like theology with Adam, and we'll get to this a little bit is going to be different than how we do now mm -hmm. until he fell. And so knowing and understanding that and thinking about that even helps us to kind of place in how can we, in one sense, do theology better. And hopefully that's the takeaway of the show. It's like, oh, we need some of these characteristics, some of these other things so that we can do theology better and to grow in our own theology. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately our goal here on G220 Radio. We talked about this last week, that our desire is to leave a legacy. Ultimately, mm -hmm. we want to leave, leave a legacy that our children can come in and see what it is that is on our hearts, what we are passionate about, what we enjoy discussing, and the guests that we may bring onto the program, and talk about many different topics from a biblical perspective here on G220 Radio. But also, we do desire to help and edify others out there. Uh, and so that is why we make a, we, we believe that it is important, as Mike's saying there, that theology matters. And then trying to understand why it is we believe what we believe and how that works out practically uh, and, and digging into it. That is why we've had the shows that we've had in the past. We're going through Proverbs which we're, we're still going to be continuing to go through. There's just so many shows we want to do and so many topics and then guests come along and, and we can't cover everything all the time, but we're still going through a proverb series where we're still going through our family series where we have about, I think three more episodes of that before we close that one up. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're doing uh, this show here. We've had some guests on and we'll have some more coming on uh, in within the month or next month or this month. It's April. It's yeah. April. It's April already. So, um, man, it, it just time is flying by. But theology matters is what I'm trying to say. And it's important for us to get in to theology. And so Mike's going to lead us in this one here tonight uh, when we're talking about the renewal of theology after the fall. So go ahead, Mike. Why don't you go ahead and set us up? Uh, yeah. You already did a little bit of that, but set us up, you know, why this kind of came into your mind and, and what we're looking at accomplishing here uh, tonight on the program. So, yeah, I started reading. It's an excellent little book called Faithful Theology by Graham Cole. It's part of Crossway's 
short studies in systematic theology. And it's not a deep book. It's a great devotional book, but kind of reading through this and kind of thinking about these issues, like I mentioned earlier, kind of several years ago now, we did an episode about the connection between exegesis or exegetical theology and biblical theology and systematic theology and kind of thinking through some of that kind of place, putting places together. I started to think more about, well, what is theology? Like, how do we define it? Now, B.B. Warfield talks about it as a science and a discipline. And so we studied that. We did an episode on that back in October, episode 551 on theology as a science and discipline and trying to think about, again, the nitty gritty of it. And so I was reading that. And then I was also reading John Owen's biblical theology. This is where our title comes from, the renewal of theology after the fall. And it's from his second book in his biblical theology, which you can buy from Reformation Heritage Press. Um, Joel, Joel Beakey's publishing house up there in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And kind of thinking through as he's dealing with what does it mean? Cause he starts obviously book two is now dealing at what we would say post lapsarian or after the fall. But the first part of the book really setting up is what is kind of this theology and how, how does Adam kind of deal with this? How would Adam talk about theology? So I think it's beneficial. We can't, I don't want to spend too much time here uh, because we're don't live in an, we live in a fallen world knowing mm. Adam theology, how Adam did theology though has benefits. It's ultimately something we can obtain here on this side of glory, but to, to kind of start out and think about kind of in, in one sense, the roles of natural and special revelation, mm -hmm. the, and thinking about how Adam, like the, these categories kind of in Adams, obviously we don't have much, about how Adam is doing things. He's it's like three, two and a half chapters. And now we're in this fallen world, but it's still interesting to think about kind of even our nature and how that works off. And then hopefully the rest of the show, we're going to be looking at kind of doing theology after the fall. And even in some sense, after the full presentation of the gospel message, so how we do theology on this side of cross is different than how maybe Isaiah would have, or at least in the content, we know more. We have more of the picture. We have the bigger picture. And, and even just additional aids by having the indwelling of the Spirit as believers. And so to think about these things and to, to kind of really, again, dive in and how can we grow I guess, ultimately in the knowledge of God as we, we pursue him in all of his glory. You have anything to say about that? No, I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to, to digging in here, um, talking about natural theology, special revelation. Uh, it's going to be um, an interesting topic, I think, for us to, to dig into. One thing I do want to say to those that are listening, um, we, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, share, like this episode, let other people know about it. Um, because again, like I said, we want to encourage and edify others with the, the things that we are speaking about here on the program. So go ahead, Mike, let's, let's dig into some of this natural theology. Yeah. So natural theology, um, just simply kind of understanding it's the theology of the created world. How can we know God by the things that he has made? Mm -hmm. And so thinking about it, I mean, you think we can easily think of scriptures, Psalm 19, 1, for the heavens declare the glory of God, or even Romans 1, so that the earth mm -hmm. demonstrates his judgment and power. And so there is something there. When God does something, it reveals something about him. And this is not just like in natural theology, a lot of special revelation has this same idea that God splitting the Red Sea says something. It means something. It tells us about who God is. So we have these together. We have natural theology and special revelation. 
Now, I think one thing we should kind of make and distinguish with natural theology kind of before the fall is that Adam could reason and know God better thinking about these creative things. He can't know them ex exhaustively um, or there, are, and there's still things that he cannot know apart from special revelation, but kind of the idea and the point, And I think what we can see as scripture tells us as we now as regenerated people can think about is that Adam could look at the nature, look at, see what God is doing and be able to elevate his mind and to think about who God is as nature being that, that vehicle of taking his thoughts to God. And this is one thing as we'll kind of looking forward is, is lost in a depraved man. We can say, my wife told me to say this, so I'm going to do it. It's the new effects of the fall. When you get to, you know, post fall that we just don't know things. We don't remember things. We don't reason clearly. And so when we think about natural theology before fall, pre-lapse if you want to put a fancy word to it, is this idea of being able to go to God. And this is nothing new. Calvin says this in the Institutes, um, kind of dealing with um, piety. But he says, now the knowledge of God, as I understand it, is that by which we not only conceive that there is a God, but also grasp what befits us and is proper to his glory and fine, what is to our advantage to know him. Indeed, we shall not say that properly speaking, God is known where there is no religion or piety here. I do not touch upon the sort of knowledge with which men in themselves lost in a curse, apprehend God, the redeemer and Christ, the meteor. But I only speak of the primo and simple knowledge to which the very nature, the very order of nature would have led us. If Adam had remained upright. Mm. So there's this, this, understanding that with natural theology that we can know God better. Now he has this caveat about this apprehension of God, the redeemer that moves into now the special revelation. But I think, so as we think about now doing theology of the fall, we have to kind of realize how natural theology will now come across in this kind of post this after the fall effects when we do have the kind of destruction of our mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mike. Um, when you think about it, it, I don't think it's something we, we often meditate upon or think upon, mm -hmm. you know, as you're saying there, the, the effects of the fall and how that affected everything. And when we look at what's going on in our society, you look at, you go to Romans one and you see God turning people over to a debased mind, but how the mind has been affected from the fall to get to a place where we are. So um, we already believe in depravity because of the fall, but where we've mm -hmm. become so, um, so bent on doing the desires of our heart that are against God, that he turns us over completely to this debased mind to do that, which is unnatural and against God, as we see it in Romans one. And, and it talks about the fact that everyone knows God exists. And I think even in that, it's not something that we just thinking from personally, it's not something that I think about and meditate upon all the time, you know, where I'm, I'm thinking, Hey, you know, before the fall, I don't, I don't find myself thinking, I wonder how that was the natural revelation just was speaking to Adam. You you mentioned how doing theology and and being able to reason and understand things before the fall. And and my mind was going to and again, I don't know and, and maybe it's just speculation. I don't want to say what the, the scriptures don't say, but when God was bringing to Adam all these animals before the fall for the purpose of Adam recognizing that there's male and female, male and female, but I don't have a helper. So he's doing theology where it's not good that man should be alone without, you know, just from nature itself, seeing these things. And that was just an example that kind of came to my mind, but 
natural revelation, it's affected because of the fall. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. So, and I maybe to you know to to think about it, it's not that natural revelation does not speak to God now. It's that we can't right. perceive it. Our our minds are darkened because of the fall until we are renewed again to to see it. I think then that's um kind of one you know to to think about how that is that we can in some sense make arguments from nature in dealing with these these topics in the public square in the public square but we should also realize that sinful people hate God and even the basic truths in which God has implanted in us mm-hmm. even and I think we can include this, the moral law, right? Um, that is just decimated by sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we say total depravity, total inability, it, it we are talking about these effects in which we can even know God and how our minds work. It's they're sluggish. I mean, we, I'll get to it probably in a little bit. But Peter has to remind the believers about the things he's already talked to him about. Mm-hmm. Pete Paul says um, similar ideas. And so natural theology, which I guess we should talk about, includes the moral law. Yeah. So that, you know, Adam knew what is right. He knew to worship God alone and not to carve graven image. Mm-hmm. And to be ones who don't kill or steal and do all of, or covet. He knew how to do that. He didn't need God to tell him that. That's, I mean, Romans again, that the Gentile does the moral law. His conscience plays a part. And so even natural theology includes that realm of the moral law, that the moral law is there beforehand. But then also, we would also have to say that. Adam didn't know not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil until God told him not to eat mm-hmm. of the tree of good and evil. So even so, even in Adam's innocent estate, if we could say that, he has to be fed additional information to be able to even know what God wants him to do. Here, Nehemiah Cox kind of relates that you know, in one sense, God only speaks in covenant Mm. that when God speaks in special revelation, that there is, it's in a covenant aspect. Again, when we think about Adam and the covenant made with him, that if he does not eat of the tree, the, the fruit of the tree of good and evil, that he would live, that he would go. There was a covenant there of blessing that he live. And if he ate of it, curses he shall surely die and so even to to think about adam's case and very little that we have that you know we that men need both natural and special revelation or god has given us both natural and special revelation so that we can know him better yeah yeah that's good that's good um when when we think about this again as, as you mentioned romans Two, I wanted to go there real quickly because it says when when it's talking about God's judgment and the law and God's righteous judgment in, in chapter two, and then it gets down to verse 14 it's here, and it says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law, so these Jews have the law, it's been given to them, mm-hmm. and these Gentiles who don't have the law, it's not been given to them. But it says, For when these Gentiles who do not have the law by nature, so again, here's this appealing to nature, it's naturally, it's naturally in them. Do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. And so you see, again, Paul here appealing to that natural revelation that's written upon their hearts. This is God's law, as we talked about, the the moral law written on the hearts of man. This is when we come back to thinking covenantally the covenant of works in the garden. And then we think about the covenant of grace. 
And <clears throat> excuse me. And we think about this that again, as you said, Mike, so there's this covenant of works. Everything is given to Adam in the garden. Be fruitful, multiply, tend to the garden. It's not a burden to work in the garden, to, to, to take care of the garden, to take dominion over the animals and the fish of the seas. But here's one thing. Now, here's, here's a command. Don't eat from this tree. For the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So even though naturally, as you said, these things are already written upon the heart of Adam to know not to make graven images and do these things because it's there, right? Or for idolatry, you have one God. But yet, here's a command given. And then we see this command broken, and then the fall comes in, and it brings about, which is also what we see throughout Scripture is special revelation more and more being revealed, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm -hmm. more yeah. um, as you continue. But just it, it blows your mind when you think about these things. You know what I mean? Like, Because, again, just from my own experience, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the effects of before the fall or the, the effects that come after the fall. You think about those things as we get older and our minds start going and whatnot. But mm -hmm. you think about it, these are effects from the fall, and we're trying to do theology out of that. You know, yeah. even though we've been renewed, we've been given the mind of Christ as believers, we have the Spirit of God, we're still living in this fallen world, and we still deal with those effects. Yeah, and that's, and so that's kind of where we live. That's how we are. And to think about now kind of moving to, moving forward just okay so how do we now do this like what what has changed now that adam has sinned what now that the earth is cursed and there is no peace not even in the animals in which there's killing and i think graham cole here makes a good point as we kind of start thinking about this is that he he writes this i think it's it's very good to think about and to dwell a little bit is there is no room for for perfection so now that we're fallen we can't be perfect anymore and we've mentioned this on the show kind of especially in when we think about the gospel and we'll kind of um we'll go to there so there so there is no room for perfection because now we're fallen creatures mm -hmm. that we can't, we can't, even if we weren't guilty by Adam's just being in Adam that, you know, let's just kind of take out Adam's guilt that's imputed on us. Like we can't, we can't be perfect even in our natural beings and just doing things. So there's no room for protect for perfection. Now that we're fallen creatures, but then he writes, there's no room for pessimism because if there's no room for perfection, that's kind of like, well, then like, why, why, sh why should I do this? Like, why does this matter? And so he follows this up with this. There's no room for pessimism. We have promises from God. Again, here's where special revelation comes in and plays a part because very early in Adam's in the Bible, we get the promise that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Mm -hmm. And there is this kind of now these promises that God will, will change the world back. I think, you know, Mike's King's comment up here. I wonder how fully Adam understood what death was in his pre-fall state. He probably had no idea what death was. Like that would have been, a, I think a foreign concept until he has fallen. Mm -hmm. until the first blood is shed with the the animal and they're clothed i think i think that's a, a reasonable expectation obviously the bible doesn't know but that would be how i think about it is that death is not something adam would have known and you know what's interesting too and i know we've talked about this on the program before but when you think about that, <clears throat> so Adam falls, they eat of the tree that God has commanded them not to eat. So as you're talking about now, death is known to them because they're spiritually dead. They disobeyed God. Mm -hmm. Spiritual death comes in. Physical death will come at its appointed time. But when you think about God covering then the sin of Adam and Eve with the animals, 
and how bloody that would have been for them to see this now because there's mm-hmm. no death until they sin right now you have this sp- uh, spiritual death physical death will come but now they're seeing god take these animals um it's even when you think about even further when you when you think of the covenant he makes with abraham and he cuts these animals into pieces and walks through them just yeah. the bloody imagery there that adam mm-hmm. and eve would have seen this bloody imagery. Now they're being clothed by that. Obviously it's something to come, but how much of that did they grasp at that moment? Right. How much of it were they, were they understanding what was, was, was what kind of type was, was happening there, you know? Yeah. And obviously we see, as we've already mentioned more and more being revealed over time and, and you already alluded to it and I'm sure we're going to get to it here. So I don't want to jump the gun, but when you said how, you know, those before the cross would have viewed theology as opposed to us now who are able to look back at things. So just a lot to think about in process here. Yeah. And we're just, you know, kind of scratch the surface and try to do this in a somewhat reasonable time on a podcast. Yeah. But, you know, cause even like thinking about, you know, this idea of, of pessimism and we have the promise from God. I mean, think about, you know, if Adam is having righteous thoughts after he had sinned, um, I guess they can't be too righteous because they're not fallen. But, you know, if he is feeling this shame, like you would you would think he would be kind of a pessimist. Like, oh, we've we've screwed this up. There's there's nothing we can do. And even the Hebrew bears it out. You know, the the curse is in dying, you shall surely die. That's the literal translation of the Hebrew. So like you just got this idea of death upon death, yeah. like he's going to be utterly, utterly wiped out. And yet, even though he eats of the fruit, God shows grace. Yes, they spiritually died, but he's not physically dead. That will become a part of the curse that now all new Adam will die. And I mean, we can even look at the world today and we see the fallingness of humanity you think about the atrocities that are happening in ukraine or in china or even in some north korea and this like in just a worldly sense and like there's so much evil around us we can easily fall that into that that realm of pessimism especially if we understand even as paul did in romans 7 that i do the things i don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. And even like non-believers, you hear this in their self-help stuff. Like it's overcoming that aspect. But here with special revelation, we have promises. God has spoken to us. God hasn't left us to lie in this fallen nature. Mm. But pursues us and gives us promises of the great things that he will do. And, you know, there's, and so we live, yes, we can't be perfect. And that should cause us to cry out to God because we're fallen creatures. We don't do what we should do to obey him. And yet we can rely on the promises. So we don't have to, be pessimists. We can't be perfect. We can't be perfectionists, nor can we be pessimists. We are creatures who have a promise to go. And even to think about the promise of sanctification, that in our pursuit of sanctification, we will one day be like him. Mm. Mm. Amen. You know, when you were talking about death upon death, what came to my mind was the contrast of that we see in John, I think, 116, where it's grace upon grace. And you you look at so because of the fall, this is your this is your disposition. This is what you have to look forward to. Death upon death upon death. But in Christ, it's grace upon grace upon grace. And uh just you know, um man, Mike, you can preach, man. Just preach it to us today. <laughs> right. So, but yeah. yeah, um, and Bible care and uh what was that one over here? Bible care and share fellowship. Thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, appreciate you commenting in there. I'm seeing the comments as well. And yes, smash that like button uh, for those that are uh, with us. Go ahead and get those likes up um, if you desire to. 
So go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So, so this is kind of the estate that we are in. This is where we find ourselves. So question is like how kind of like, like our own nature, how do we not in a method that was a separate podcast, but kind of what are some of our, how do we do theology kind of situational well, situationally now, I guess, do we do it? And one thing, and Calvin alludes to this, um, Graham Cole says it this way, we do theology humbly. Mm. You know, we can you quote the the verses, you know, God exists, God oppresses the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. God wants humble people and he, he gives the humble the knowledge. And even Calvin, when he's talking about these ideas of two knowledge, so there's the knowledge of God and the knowledge of evil. This is um, book one, chapter one section one, the first sentences of the, the Calvin's institutes in the 1559 edition. Um, there are two knowledges, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of man. And it is only when man looks to God, does he truly find who he is. And there's, there's a, there's a humbling aspect. Mm. Cause if we, when we think about it, if we just look horizontally, we look at the other people around us, we will find people who are worse than us, whether dead or alive. Mm-hmm. We will find people who are worse than us. And that can be a prideful. But I think what Calvin does and what um, Graham Cole does in Faithful Theology is points us that we can't look horizontally. We have to look up. Calvin, even though talks about this knowledge of man and knowledge of of God being reciprocal, the obvious place into starting doing theology or starting to gain knowledge is to look at the knowledge of God. Mm. We have to look up because of who he is, because of he's the, the creator, the maker, and he will be then also our savior, the one who will bring us through this um valley of death into the promised land and so we do theology humbly which then as we kind of think about it and we've talked a lot about this is that theology leads to not only orthopraxy but praise and Mm. worship and to, to do it so in order to have in, in Calvin's word, the religion or piety, it's to have knowledge, but also to be humble. There's a humblingness with kind of piety and and how we deal with kind of the knowledge and how we gain knowledge. You have to be willing to learn. And we, we've seen this um, in our studies in Proverbs multiple times. Yeah. And I think this is a good reminder for us, um, for us personally and those listening, because We've heard it said many times by um, many solid brothers in Christ who have preached it, who have taught it from Calvin here in his own uh, institutes that we should be humble, mm-hmm. not prideful for the knowledge that we understand and grow and, and, and gain from God's word in studying theology. It shouldn't be something that causes us to... Um, put down others or use it as a something to beat someone over the head with. This is, it should cause us to be humble because again, as you think about death upon death, and this is our state, God has saved us, brought us to new life. And it is God who is opening our eyes and allowing us to see and to learn and to take from his word, the truth that he has given to us. So how should we then respond to others who may not, See it as we see it, with grace, with humility, with compassion, you know? And that doesn't mean, and what I'm not saying is that when there's false teachers or there's people that are um, uh, blaspheming the Lord and, and, and really just attacking the Scriptures, that we're not bold and confronted with truth. But when you have a brother or sister in Christ who maybe, maybe doesn't see something or grasp something, we should be humble and exercise humility because we were at one point 
in the same same situation. We're no better off than them. We've just um, been brought to a place where we now maybe see things where we didn't see before. That could be because of maturity. That Ultimately, I think what it comes back to what you just said, to, to humility, God humbling us and bringing us to this point of now we're seeing things differently uh, that we're reading and, and learning and growing in our walk with the Lord. But it should not bring us to a point where we're prideful. Yeah, and you know, you have Paul saying, "Knowledge puffs up." Mm -hmm. Like that's a, it's a warning. That's a yeah. real danger when we think about theology. Because what you know, in doing theology, we are gaining knowledge of God, who He is, His person, His salvation, how He has ordained what will come. And kind of when you start thinking about eschatology or even how he has ordained how his church should run in ecclesiology, all of these things bring up a, a level of puffiness if our hearts are not kept in check. Because mm -hmm. it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. There, even there, there's that that humble aspect that you see God, you show reverence to him, but that's humble. You're just not barging in and demanding God to give you the answers or to do it. Now, we see cases like that in the Bible, and there is room to ask questions and to try to gain knowledge and, and realizing that God may not tell us, may we may not know why, and, and God telling us, not audibly, but kind of, you know, as we learn, as we think, and we do these things, we may not ever know why some things happen to us and other things don't. But it still requires a submitting to God's lordship over our life, that mm -hmm. he is the one who has predestined all things to come to pass according to his time. He does not tarry. And he, he will accomplish when they will. Yeah. And kind of related to that then also is that we do theology and fellowship. Mm -hmm. So we very important. About, yeah. So we've talked about kind of the neurotic effects of the fall, that our minds are not as they used to be. We do not reason well. We have bad logic. We don't fully understand the first time. So if you do theology in isolation, and this would be even kind of considering that, you know, you can read all the good books. Mm -hmm. by yourself. So if you're kind of doing that and you're learning theology kind of in isolation, that's not good. You do not grow in that way. But real quick. We, yeah. Real quick. What was coming to mind is, you know, years ago, I was watching something and Francis Chan was talking about how if you were to take this book, and get alone somewhere on an island, just you in this book, would you come up with the things that people believe today in Christianity? Mm -hmm. Or would you not? And it sounds so, what's the right word? It sounds so so good that, oh man, that's I just want to take the word and get away and not be influenced mm -hmm. by all these other things. But like what you're saying here, though, the danger is then you have people who are, not coming out with sound teaching, especially when you have so many people before you who have dug in, studied, and we have history, and there's richness there of people who have spent the time over the scriptures, you know, the creeds that we have, the confessions that we have. Again, not that they're above scripture, but that these men were doing theology, right? Yeah. And so we can look back to that in the fellowship of that. And and when we think about within a church, we're helping one another to grow so that someone doesn't become that island unto themselves and start coming up with things that are actually heretical. Yeah, and that's that's the point. I mean, we can talk about ecclesiology, and it's important, and we should. But one thing that ecclesiology or the church is is to help us grow. And what is one way we grow? Well, we grow in theology. We grow in knowledge of God. And I was, you know, thinking as you think about this, it's not just, you know, fellowship with dead men who's written good books. I mean, 
Calvin, we've mentioned, I've mentioned Calvin, Nehemiah Cox is a Baptist, John Owen, like people that I've read and I've enjoyed reading them. But in the end, my theology is best shaped in community of a local church where mm -hmm. these things are not just now academic ivory tower topics, but points in which I can help others to grow in their understanding of God and in worship and others can help me grow in understanding and worship. Yeah. And that me, we can, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought. I was going to respond to Mike King here. Yeah. And this then plays out in how we do all these one another's when we talk about singing songs, spiritual songs to one another, to, to encourage mm -hmm. them and to grow or to spur them on to good works and not to lose the f profession of their faith and to grow in all these things that we are called to do as one another's. It comes down to, in this sense, that we're studying the Bible, we're learning about God through it, and together we grow and, and become better and able to equip one another for all these good works that God has planned for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with Mike said here, he says, I'm not disagreeing with you when we were talking about the being an, an island unto himself. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. He says, just adding that it was a light bulb moment for me when I read that Jesus opened the disciples understanding we are completely re relying upon God. And I completely agree. We are absolutely re relying upon God. The spirit illuminates as we read the scriptures and opens our understanding to things. Yes, I completely agree. But I think what we're, we're, we're kind of more speaking to is the idea of not becoming an island unto yourself because you have to have others where you can bounce some of those things because there are many people that think God opens something up in the scripture to them and then it's something completely unbiblical. Who's there to check it? Who's there to, to, to verify, to look and say, yeah, brother, I think you're reading that right. Wow, I didn't see that either. Or, well, you're way off here. I don't know how you're getting that out of that. You know what I mean? So doing that, that in fellowship with others, um, again, the spirit is illuminating things. There are things we're going to see in scripture that we didn't see before. Absolutely agree. Um, but the, the danger of not being or not doing theology in fellowship is one, like I said, can become an island unto themselves where then there's no church good enough for them. They have all understanding. And then, you know, uh, then they they kind of bring in some destructive heresies and things like that. And I've seen it with some of these street preachers around here quite often. So, yeah, I think <laughs> here we go. Enjoy that spaghetti. Yeah. Um, to quote the Baptist Catechism, I think this is where it's important. Not that I had intended to do this, and I haven't done it in a while. But question 94, how is the word made effectual to salvation? So the Spirit of God makes a maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the word as effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and building them up in holiness, comforts through faith and unto salvation. So there's one sense in which we can say that going to church, sitting under faithful biblical preaching, coming together as a congregation is the primary means in which the Holy Spirits teach us. Now, reading the good books, reading your Bible daily devotionally are good things, and we should do them. We have the ability to do them. But in one sense, it's a service that leads to the bigger service in the preaching of the word mm -hmm. as we develop and think about these things. And so that's even, even more, more important. Um, Dr. Lord, uh, Lord Jones, Martin Lord Jones, D. Martin Lord Jones, there we go, talks about how he doesn't do a lot of, he doesn't, he didn't do a lot of one-to-one -one counseling, um, counseling, unless it was like a, a grievous sin. He felt that his he could best counsel, you know, uh, his people on their sins to give them biblical counseling on of their sin is the them regularly attending the Sunday worship listening and applying the truths to their hearts. Mm. This is what doing theology and fellowship means. It's coming together. We're hearing the same things. We're thinking about these same things. We're taking things that we know and our fellow church members are taking things that they know and we're building each other 
and we're we're doing that and we need that god has made us um a people who desire community and then he has given us this community in which we can now grow and become more faithful to his word and to worship him together and to be strengthened to live in this valley of shadow of death i'm just wondering how many new counselors have tuned us out now <laughs> or not maybe tuned us out I but mean, maybe say i don't want to deal with uh martin lloyd jones jones anymore but no there is a reality to um i'm not saying that counseling is not helpful and and no. that, that you can do that one-on-one -on -one, but i i agree that there is something god does through the preaching of his word um i enjoy it i learn things but it's different when i'm sitting under it and hearing mm -hmm. it as opposed to listening to something later on. Right. Um, and so there is something powerful, I think in the way that God utilizes his word through that preaching. And as you met, read from the catechism, this is the primary means by which God is deepening us and giving us understanding of theology through that. And then it's applied how it's applied. So, yeah. If there are new counselors listening, I mean, this should be like, you know, that's a good idea because that's less workload. That's like less people, you know, you can. I only bring that up because I had I had a guy once, an synthetic counselor, um, good preacher, really good preacher, but say that um, he believed, and, and this isn't as a street preacher, I'm not saying street preaching is the only way to preach or do things, that he believed that his one-on-one -on -one counseling was more effective than street preaching. And, mm. and I'm thinking, well, it could be, I'm not saying it is, I don't want to be pragmatic as one or the other, but you're trying to reach a larger amount of people, you know? And yeah. then like Martin Lloyd Jones is saying, I'm, I'm preaching to the people and I'm covering mm -hmm. the multiple, like people are sinful. We still have the flesh that remains and we deal with these things because we're, we're, we're made new. We're no longer slaves to sin but we still deal with the flesh and that preaching of God's word dealing with sin and what God is calling us to through the preaching of his word. That is then the spirit takes that applies it in our hearts and changes us and transforms us. And so, you know, um, again, I'm not making it a one or the other thing. I'm just saying yeah. like, when you do think about that, God, you are counseling your people with God's word. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And, and then it's their job then to, to think and apply, to hear, to know, to, to then apply and in, in helping them to grow. And that kind of leads us into kind of our final point here. And I know we got like kind of, um, uh, sorry, I just saw your comment, my King. He actually writes about this in his preachers and preaching book about kind of having that most kind of his argument is that most people, most Christians don't need one-on-one -on -one counseling. They just need regular attendance to um, scripture. Now I think there's some aspects in which like discipleship and meeting with other people, a smaller group of people, you know, there that mm -hmm. has aspect to playing with it, but Lloyd Jones kind of to free himself up in his time as being kind of the only preacher in Wales is saw that is like, unless someone is in some grievous sins that need to, or there's a lot of entanglement of sin that needs to be carefully untangled and pulled apart. Most people don't need that type of counseling. That's kind of his, his rationale for that um, because he thinks and kind of moving through Oh, sorry. Well, now you have a full reason why he felt it. Because the reason why he thinks this is because the content of our theology is special revelation as revealed kind of through the gospel. Mm. As we see and think about the promise, kind of starting in Genesis 3.15. Um, recently, um, Dr. Barcellus, Richard Barcellus, has done a, I think it's like a six- five or six podcast episode on theology in particular about just about Genesis three fifteen. Um, my pastor just released a book on the biblical theology of sin. Um, he's done stuff on the resurrection 
And what we see here when we start thinking about Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelicon, the first gospel message, is that so many different threads start. They're not always clear. They're not developed. We need later revelation to help us to understand. Like, what does God mean that the serpent, that the, the seed of the woman is going to step on, crush the head of the serpent? Like, how is that? What is that going to look like? Who is this seed? You know, so there's a lot of questions there. But what we see is when we read further revelation, when we see Abraham get selected and that it's in his, it's his seed that all the families of the earth will be blessed. Or when David and the covenant maids there, now you have this covenant with David and now another proclamation of what this Messiah, or you have Isaiah and you, you read the failure of Israel and yet God continues to preserve him because he has to, to preserve his promise of the seed that our content of our theology wraps around the message of God, of how he saves sinners. We cannot know God as being gracious and loving and kind apart from the gospel. It is so intertwined about who this Father, Son, and Spirit is, what they have done, how they are preserving the promises they make towards us. And so this is where, as Revelation progresses, as special Revelation progresses into now the New Testament and all, I mean, really the New Testament authors are telling us showing us through the scriptures what it's what has already been revealed and then showing us how it points to christ and then how we are to live in light of that mm. and it is here that we start to really understand the fullness of the trinity the old testament while there's illusions and we see things and we kind of piece things together it is the explicit um, testimony of the New Testament that we can really build out this theology of the Trinity. And so we start seeing that kind of in progressive revelation and biblical theology, that how we come to know God is really centered around him saving us through his son by his spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's about all I can say, brother. <laughs> and so, and I mean, I'm trying to think, I don't have John Owen with me right now. He's, he spends a couple chapters on this um, and just kind of thinking through like the fact that the, the serpent, and I don't, I don't know if this is correct. I'm, I haven't really thought much about it, but, one thing that struck me kind of reading Owen and when we think about Genesis 3.15 is that the serpent biting the ankle, if it's a poisonous serpent, would have killed the seed. So is there this idea of death and then implicitly resurrection in which he stomps on the head? I'm not saying this is right. I find it intriguing and interesting obviously that is taking a lot of future understandings but that's kind of the idea is thinking through these things in a way that we can know more and see the promises and develop our kind of theology and the promises and as in the nature of god as we start seeing him enact his plan to save a people for himself. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, that's good, man. It's good. So the renewal of theology after the fall, much to consider, much to think about. Um, you said John Owen speaks about this in his biblical theology, as well as Graham Cole in faithful theology. Um, 
You can even get that faithful theology on Audible. Um, if if yeah. you listen to to books, it's, it's, it's not very long. No, it's, it's not very long. Like a hundred and twenty pages, and it's mm-hmm. a smaller, a smaller book. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if you, I think those, um, Graham Cole is a good place to start if you want to kind of start thinking through these things. He has a reference that you can go in a little bit if you wanted to dig deeper. Um, I mean, I think Calvin, the first, I've always kind of, I've said this, kind of my favorite part of John Calvin in his, the 1559, which is the two volume, the bigger set of his institutes is the first nine chapters where he talks about knowledge and kind of general revelation and how even how this affects in the fall and then moves into then the importance of scripture and why we need scripture. And all Mm -hmm. of this is kind of setting up in book one where he's trying to develop the knowledge of the maker, the creator, and looking at it there and kind of setting, setting the groundwork in which he would then develop in book two, when he talks about God as the mediator, especially in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then you do have to pay attention because he just kind of weaves his theology of the Holy spirit throughout all four books. Um, so Mike Graham Cole's book would be, would be one who, um, while he is an accomplished theologian, he's, he's written, I've read some other stuff from him. He's very good. Um, you will Graham Cole. I would say Graham Cole would be, if you wanted to get introductory level is, is, is the best place to, to start at least mine in mine and some of the reading that I've done. Um, he just, he words things really well. He's very good at, at Simon and you listen to it. I mean, you can probably speak to it too. Yeah, I, I'm listening to it. Yeah. I, I thought it was, was, uh, very easy to understand. Cause I did listen to it. I listened to it back when we discussed this podcast or this episode. And, yeah. and then I listened to it again today. Um, and, and it was all, I did it in like a couple hours. I did speed it up, but I only, I did it in a couple hours and even speeding it up. I was still able to grasp what he was saying. It wasn't like too far out there where it was too high of, of, of thinking while I was you know doing other things at the same time. But uh, yeah, so I, I would recommend it as well. And like I said, you can get it on audible. If, if you listen to things, if you don't have the time to maybe read, even though it's a short book um, you can put it in on your drives and from wherever you're going to wherever and, and turn it on and turn it on and, um, you know, you can do it that way as well. So, man, that's a, it's a good topic. Like I said, it's something I don't think we, we think about often, mm-hmm. you know, the, the effects of the fall. I think we feel it sometimes. I know as my body's getting older, as I'm getting older in age, my body feels it. And I feel the, you know, getting old. Well, that's an effect from the fall, but do we, does our mind think about these things theologically? Um, and, and even as you said, our minds, we begin to, to forget things. We, we don't, uh, grasp things as quickly as we might have when we were younger. Um, but those are all again, effects of the fall and what happened after we, uh, fell in the garden and, and how that affects the way people do theology. And so then also, as you was speaking about the special revelation, as it's revealed throughout time, what they would have understood I think sometimes Abraham and them had a good grasp of some things at that time, but we don't know exactly mm-hmm. everything they understood. And more and more was being revealed at times. There was people that were thinking, oh, Noah might be this Messiah. You know, David may be this Messiah that's coming, you know, and just more and more as they see, even when Jesus came on the scene, they were thinking, oh, you've come to restore the kingdom, right? You've come yeah. to to take... And, it, and they were, they weren't even seeing there's more here. Right. And so yeah. it's been, it was revealed over time, but now we look back and we have a complete canon. And so we read it and we understand things differently because we're seeing the completed picture here uh, from God's word. And, and so it is important for us to remember that theology does matter. It's important for us to study these things out, to think upon these things, meditate upon these things um, and, uh, and to grow in it so that, that we are 
growing for the sake of in humility to know the Lord more, to love him more, to worship him more, to praise him more. Yeah. And, and just kind of on that Graham Cole, he talks, we kind of focused on a little bit more on his chapter three. Um, but he starts off by, you know, dealing with special revelation. What does that mean? Doing, dealing with church history and Christian thought, and then doing the fall wisdom is the fourth chapter and then putting it together with um, thought and practice and worship. And so, you know, obviously we can kind of separate this and we try to do it, but they, even in our discussion, all of this comes back around and to, to when we think about doing theology, like how we want to do theology is in some sense, the same way that Adam was or did do theology. We just have to realize that we do it in a, a sinful nature that requires kind of even more work because we have to be reminded. We're often, even when we know the truth, we may not always practice those truths when it matters most. When you're suffering, are you going to rely on the providence of God? Are you going to rely him as you know, your shield and your strength during times of weakness? You can have that knowledge, but knowledge in the mind puffs up. It's that ivory tower, but it's that faithful expression. And that's the goal of theology is to know God and then to be able to do what God has commanded to be like God, to be it. And so that's, that's the call um, to be holy as the Lord is holy. And we do that by doing theology. We just have to understand and set some things in straight because we do theology as fallen creatures in a fallen world. Yeah. Well, all right. That's been uh, G220 Radio for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, again, this was episode number 569, The Renewal of Theology After the Fall. Uh, make sure you go ahead and like this episode, uh, share it uh, for us. Uh, give us your feedback. If you have any any feedback, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com. And uh, we would love to take your your emails. And, and if you have any ideas for topics of shows you would like us to, to uh, address or discuss or to talk about. Uh, we would love to do that as well. Um, depending on the topic, obviously, I mean, we're not going to take everyone. If you want us to talk about aliens or something like that, uh, you know, I don't I'll know. talk about aliens. Okay. Well, maybe we will talk about aliens, but it just depends, I, I guess, on the topic. On aliens. Yeah, there you go. I guess we will do a show on that at some point, but, um, but yeah, I think uh, if you have any ideas, go ahead, email us at g220radio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. There's so many things that we can talk about. A few things that we do have coming up. Uh, the rest are in this month on the 18th. We're going to be talking about the continuity between the Old and New Testament. So continuity of the scriptures. We're going to have Pastor Mike Waters on with us. And then we're going to get back in our family series uh, later this month. And we're going to talk about uh, divorce and remarriage, getting into that. Uh, um, and then I think on the 2nd of May, we're going to talk about denominations, trying to get a roundtable thing kind of going. Possibly, maybe we'll see how that goes. But we're going to talk about that, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have more to come as well. Many, many topics, many things that we can talk about. I'm sure there's many that uh, we will discuss in the future uh, and put some shows together. But again, if you have some, please uh, send us an email and uh, let us know. Mike, last words, last thoughts, and we'll close it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Hopefully this show was helpful in thinking through it. I would encourage it, encourage to listen to our other shows on this topic. Um, I mentioned theology as a science and discipline episode five fifty one, and then we did one on. Let's see if I can find it real quick on uh, kind of theological methods and thinking through how to go from exegesis to biblical theology, and then over to um systematic and to to play those i mean there's topics and how do we start 
re relating these things. Um, it's episode three, 12 different aspects of theology is that episode where you kind of lay out um, a little bit about that. And I think all of these, if you were for you to put these in a uh, um, playlist, a playlist, um, we're kind like of out of order a little bit. Sounds like but, a job for Mike. <laughs> going to create a playlist yeah. for you. Create a playlist. Um, really the, the, the last two we've this one and then the last one should go before the different aspects of theology, but all of them hopefully are helpful in thinking about these ideas when, especially when on considering on shows that we've done on exegesis and kind of digging into the word that is, you know, it's not just reading, but kind of that meditative aspect of what does this, how does this fit within the whole? And then what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about Jesus? Um, and that's how we grow. That's how we, we gain in the knowledge and, and thinking about these things. And so, you know, obviously there is a lot more, we've covered some of these topics more, more, more or less on some of them. And they all kind of, in one sense, this is kind of how we do it, or at least how I think about it, how we, you know, how, or kind of what I think how we should do it, maybe be the better way to do it, to say it. But um, all of these things matters. And hopefully this, even if you don't agree with us, spurs on to think about these things a little bit deeper and to encourage your heart in the Lord. Yeah. And that's been G220 Radio. Until next time, God bless. And